What's up, creeps? Welcome. Yes, all of you. All of you listening out all there. All three of you. Those 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 special creeps that listen on the Patreon. This is a Patreon special episode just for you. Jeremy, tell them what we're doing this week. Do you know? Because I honestly have no fun. Uh, so I found out <laughs> earlier what we were doing, so that was exciting. Uh, we're doing top five favorite monster movies from the 80s, which was oh, insanely yeah, fucking difficult, man. Like, uh, when, when when this topic was thrown out, I actually I think, was I the one that threw it out? Maybe I was. Yep. Fuck, yes, man, it's been a long yeah, day. Than, it's been a long day. Yeah, be ready. You know, touch be right, it, right, and you ran with it, and yeah. So it was, it was this, great. this was this was difficult because like there's so many subgenres that like I started getting way too nitpicky with it, and you guys brought me back down, and you were like, no, 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 this this still counts as a monster, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, because there's a lot of subgenres, so it was tough, but uh, I think we got. I know I picked some fun ones, maybe a couple unique ones as well that uh, maybe some of our Patreon. Patreonologists, people uh, haven't seen. Patreonologists. Uh, Patreonologists. Honestly, I expected nothing less from you. That's why I thought this would be a great uh, series. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be doing a series with these, hopefully, for you guys. That's why we're starting with the pinnacle of horror cinema with the 80s. And then we'll get to the, the 90s and 2000s. And I know Jeremy said that his preferred timeline in horror stops in the 60s so if we go any further beyond that it may be just me and be ready and maybe we'll bring some guests i don't know but we'll have to hear from you guys if you're enjoying it and i think you will because fucking monster movies are the best i mean legit and it's something that we haven't fully covered uh be ready and i did our top 10 vampire flicks which you know vampires do count but as jeremy said I did my best to try to <laughs> differentiate and, and and keep things separate in some st- like, you know, because we just did vampire. So I'm like, I'm going to try not to, you know, repeat myself. See, I got but, I got way too nitpicky with this because I was like, well, like, yes, a vampire is a kind of monster. But like, I feel like a, the vampires are a thing of their own. So, like, I'm just telling you that. I didn't choose a solo vampire thing because I was like, you know, I feel like vampires is its own subgenre. Um, yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of like yeah. I said. I got I got really like deep with it. Like okay, like you know, my, like growing up in the '90s and you know, or the late '80s and early, you know, in the '90s and shit like that, and going to the video store, like some of my favorite stuff to rent was monster movies because what's fucking scarier than monsters when you're a kid? And what kid doesn't yeah, love for monsters? Sure. Seriously. For sure. So yeah, I mean. uh but before we get into that, into our actual countdown, pre-show, Jeremy, you were just telling me and be a cool little story about something that you acquired. I'm not sure if you want to share that or not, but I think our patrons would like to hear it. Yeah, I'm going to share it with you right now, in fact. <laughs> you better share it. Or Uncle Baby Billy, you're going to come get your ass? Yeah, here, Go nerd, BJ. My name is TJ. <laughs> yeah, here, nerd. <laughs> Fucking dude, Walt Goggins. God damn, I love that motherfucker. The best. Like, dude, he he can play any fucking character. I've said this for years, and I know I've probably said it on the show. I want him to be the next Freddy Krueger, man. Like, when they go to make... He'd be great. They, yeah, When they go to make another Nightmare on Elm Street, dude, fucking hire Walt Goggins. That motherfucker would be terrifying, and he's such an incredible actor. Because let's face it, guys, we all want Robert England back. Probably not going to happen. He ain't I back. don't want him. But back, here's so. the thing: if Walt Goggins does 
Freddy, he has to do it in the baby uh, Billy voice. <laughs> Go on, Nancy. Go on, Nancy. Get your bitch ass out of here. <laughs> no, it's funny because... Come on now. I'm your boyfriend. <laughs> he uh, he elevates like even the shittiest thing he's in. And I'm not saying the, the new Tomb Raider movie with Alicia Vikander was shitty. It was actually pretty fun, but it wasn't a great movie. But he as a villain, dude, just chewed scenery and he just made it like that much better of a experience to watch. So... I actually, I love that yeah. idea. He's young enough too. He was and in the a, face dude, structure, man, he, the, the height, his everything. fucking eyes, like just his facial structure is like. He, there's something about him that just looks kind of sinister. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So back. So back on. Back on track. So. Back on your story. I used to collect movie props. Uh, had quite a few of them. I've I've owned some really fucking ridiculous ones over the years. That like, if I would have saved all of them, uh, rather than. Selling them and acquiring more stuff. Like, that's one of the downfalls of being a collector is that you're constantly looking for the next piece. And I enjoy being married. So it's like, all right, well, obviously, uh, I can't just bankroll all these fucking things that I want because my wife will leave me or kill me or leave me after she kills me. That is a rarity, I have to I have to say, Jeremy. A man that enjoys being married. I do, married. man. I do. It's a, it's a Look fucking, at you. It's, a, it's a good time, man. So, uh... Uh, I'm just going to go on record in case my wife listens to this. I love being married, too. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, on record, my wife helps me edit the show. Uh, yeah, you already know what I'm going to say. I love your wife, it, too, bitch. so it's cool. <laughs> so, you know, over the years, I've I've let, you know, some movie props go. And, you know, my, my main passion, as you guys know by now, is is autographing. So that's an expensive hobby in its own. So over over the years, you know, some of these movie props have just started to look like money that we're laying around my basement like, oh, look at that money right there that I could sell and buy these other autograph things that I want. So I've kind of sold off my collection over time. <sighs> Guys, I got pulled back in. I swore I was done with movie props or like production items from films. I swore that I was done. I was like, you know, just focus on autographs. That's your shit. Motherfucker, you swear you're done with something at least once a week. Yeah. <laughs> now you're starting to sound like my wife. <laughs> God damn it. Because that's what she says. She's like, Jeremy, shut the fuck up. You're never retiring from anything as far as collecting or your hobby. You're in it for life. Just accept That's why it. I never say never, my friend. Never say never. That's right. So yesterday, I'm, I'm on the Ebays. And that's a fucking dreaded place, man. When you're a collector, stay, and you don't want to spend money, stay off eBay. Because w the worst possible timing is always when you're going to find something that you're like, fuck, that's amazing. I want that. So yesterday I'm, I'm scrolling on the Ebays and I see a crew member's jacket, which there's probably only 50 or so in existence, from John Carpenter's classic, the 1982 The Thing. The you guys know thing. I love this movie, so the jacket's fucking beautiful. Uh, funny enough, uh, the owner of the jacket was the production designer uh, from Gremlins. So he didn't he didn't work on the thing, but uh, I guess he was also a bit of a collector. So him and other, you know, uh, film member buddies uh, would often trade crew jackets and things like that. So uh, he owned it, and uh, he unfortunately passed away last year. And um, a bunch of his collection, oh, yeah, man. his name was uh, John Hora, H O R A. Um, so he was a uh, you know a famous famous DP or whatever. And uh, not double penetration. I, I saw the oh, look. I saw the look, Brady. Yeah. I saw the look. With his name Hora and then DP. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, wait a minute. This is not adding I think up. we watched the wrong movie. So, uh, so anyway, so 
you know, a bunch of his his crew jackets. Uh, there's a bunch that are still on, you know, on eBay or whatever. So this one caught my eye, and I was like, fuck, man, I got to have it. So I started, so I immediately, I took a couple movie posters, and I was like, you know what? I'm a moderator in a poster group. Uh, it's called Autographed Movie Posters, AMP. And so I was like, you know, I'll throw a couple autographed posters on on the Facebook page, and if if it sells within an hour, it, it's it's meant to be... I need to own this jacket. It, it sold so quick, man. I sold uh, a full-size original Stallone Cobra poster signed by Sylvester Stallone. It's a beautiful poster. It is a beautiful poster with a beautiful, humongous, humongous Stallone signature. That is my favorite Stallone poster. It's of the all best time. Stallone poster. And one of my favorite Stallone For movies sure. it's, of all time. You know, crime is a disease, meet the cure. Cobra. It's fucking amazing. But, again, like I said to you guys earlier, and then we cut the conversation short because it was like, hey, you know, this would be really good for the show, so why don't we save it? So let's pick it back up exactly where we left off. If I was in a room and there was a Stallone-signed Cobra poster and there was a John Carpenter's The Thing crew member's jacket, what what am I walking out with if I have a choice? The Thing jacket, man, 100%. So, uh, yeah, I, I grabbed The Thing jacket, which is fucking rad. Then I, then I, guys, I went down a rabbit hole, man. I, uh, I started looking in, in, in my closet, in my belongings, and, uh, you know, you, you got a problem, you have too much shit when you find stuff that you forgot about, that you're like, oh, you know, I forgot I had this, but this would be a big deal to somebody else. <laughs> so, I found a, uh, a machete that was screen used from The Expendables, another Stallone thing. Uh, Stallone's hot right now, man. People are, people are, are interested in the guy, um, like big time, you know. And uh, this isn't this isn't Copland Stallone, where his his career had kind of died down a little bit. This is fucking hey hey, hey man, come hold on, on now. now. That's one of Dude, his best. I'm not disputing that, but that didn't do anything for his career. <laughs> that and over the top, over the top Stallone films. Listen, he got he he got paid a lot of fucking money for over the top. Over the top didn't hey. totally bomb, but we're not going to go there right now. It just you know? wasn't a huge hit. That's all. So. uh... <laughs> So I immediately I did. I was like, you know what? I'll throw this in a little, you know, in a in a group. Instantly sold. Well, then somebody else hit me up on another poster. And was like, hey, I want to buy this poster. Is this one for sale? And I was like, yeah. And it was a Back to the Future signed poster. Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd. Not, you know, I enjoy it, but not really in my wheelhouse for what I collect. You know, I typically stick to horror. So, you know, it was just a poster that I've had for a few years. And I was like, you know, I feel like I could let this go. So I sold that. Next thing you know, an original Mike Plug, John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982 storyboard, sketched in pencil and signed by Mike Plug. Mike Plug is a very, very famous Marvel comic book artist that did all the storyboards for The Thing. Um, finding these storyboards now is very difficult because the hardcore The Thing fans have acquired all of them. And very rarely do they ever pop up. And when they do, they're stupid fucking expensive for two reasons. It's the thing. And it's Mike Plug, who's, like I said, you know, he created Werewolf by Night for Marvel, which I heard is getting an adaptation of some sort. Um, and he's he did, you know, like Man Thing and shit like that. So all of a sudden I'm like, okay, now I own a crew jacket and a storyboard from the thing. This is fucking awesome. Well, then next thing you know, I have a soft spot. For 2011's The Thing prequel. I do. I, I, you know, I don't fault the people. 
We didn't even I know. say anything. I, I know. Tell you were like, I know. I, do. I know. But, but you know, yeah. you know why I said that is because I know that the fucking well, I do. The people I do, yeah. listening to this, they're like, ah, oh, fuck that movie. But I don't fault the filmmakers for that film. Uh, they went through painstaking fucking research, and every fucking detail was perfect with the Norwegian camp, with the bodies, how McCready found them in the '82 film, to what actually happened, and you get to see their demise in real time. I love. 2011's The Thing. I think it's fucking great. I, I feel like it's, it's a perfect precursor to Carpenter's film. It sucks that they, the studio chose to glam it up by putting CGI over the practical effects. Those effects, People, bro. Because those, those, those practical effects, I have to say, when I saw on, the images of them after the fact, looked there's, Dude, there's amazing. videos. There's so, videos yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, Type in ADI, which is uh, Tom Woodruff, a.k.a. Pumpkinhead. That may tie into some yep. discussions later on uh, on this episode. But uh, Tom Woodruff uh, and Alec Gillis of Monster Squad and Pumpkinhead and Tremors fame, they did all of the uh, practical effects in 2011's The Thing. Um, so ADI, look up YouTube ADI The Thing on YouTube. You can watch the, you know, before they slap CGI all over it, you could actually see some of the shit. It's really great. But it was just so painful for me. So that's why I didn't, I didn't. Oh, ever you should watch really it. Go deep. <laughs> It's great. Uh, all right. It's great. Um, so all of a sudden, I find a screen used the thing leg from remember like when it was like the big insect thing and they fucking burn it yeah, and yeah. Elizabeth uh, Winstead um, is there and they're like doing the autopsy of it. So like one of the legs in that scene, I also now own that because I flipped all these posters and this prop and shit like that. So next thing you know, I went. I woke up yesterday morning with. Like, nothing production used from any of the Thing film. And then I went to sleep last night with fucking, like, three Look three items. You. So it was, That's, you know, it was a good day for me yesterday. Like the Ice Cube That's song. The American Rabbit dream, Hole, man. bro, That's what you went to the core of the fucking it. earth, man. Yeah. That's That's way beyond Rabbit Hole. You went to, like, the core, the center, like, yeah. deep down. Yeah, but, yeah. so I, I promised myself, like, you know, my problem before with collecting movie props and production stuff uh, is that I collected a little bit of everything, which was fine, but I find the most impressive collections to be people that kind of focus in on one thing. So, uh, maybe pun intended, intend, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, if I do add any more production things, it is going to be from the thing films. Um, and that's it. You know, I'm not going to deep dive and start collecting other shit. And that's know. it. <laughs> right, and that's it. Yeah, fuck you guys, mm-hmm. man. Make sure, uh, make sure listeners uh, keep track of dates here with these patron episodes. For how many times yeah. Jeremy says that's the last thing I'm gonna get. That's the last thing. That's it. That's, it. that's, that's it. what that's I tell it. my wife. So <laughs> we just need to like record that, and every time he uh, says something, be like, just insert it as a sound. <laughs> no, it's funny because you know talking about. Stallone being hot. Obviously, our our listeners that have been listening to the Epic Film Guys for years know that I met Stallone. I worked on Creed 2, got autographs. That story's legend on the EFG channel. But uh, I was telling her, I was like, no, it's like for my birthday and Christmas. Like, I'm, I want to go to this this event to meet like Stallone again and get an actual photo with him. And because on my time hop, Jeremy, the other day it popped up, you had sent it to me and there's a picture of him like doing, you know, like, you know, the du- double bicep in front of like this school team right. of girls. And you can see me like with my long ass <laughs> hair and I'm like 220 pounds fat piece of shit that I was. And I'm trying to get a picture with my phone out like this. And I was like, 
no, this is the last time I swear. He's like the only living legend. And she's like, you already met him. Damn. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I don't have a picture yeah. with him. So I get it. I get it. See, Brady, he doesn't have to deal with that. He's just like, I don't do anything. I don't. So yeah, I, you know. I don't, have to get re- I don't have to deal with rejection if I don't ask. Dude, yeah. I mean, I, I have been on a journey, you know, kind of Pokemoning, meeting all the, the people that I, I grew up watching their films and, and I look up to and I respect. Uh, I feel a sense of closure now. Will I continue to collect autographs? Yes, I will. But I'm telling you, you can fucking, you can keep this soundbite. My days of like street graphing are done, man. I'm telling you, I'm done. Listen, I mean, it's a great example though. And you had a great test in front of you. It's still happening right now. Johnny Depp is in Fairfax, which is not that far. Dude, from he's me. been. My wife was at the courthouse yesterday and she saw the cameraman. She was in the same courthouse as Johnny Depp. Dude, you know, he, so. he is signing and taking pictures with people at his hotel every single day. <gasps> what hotel? I mean, is we it, can talk after, you know? But okay, but good, he's good. he's taking pictures and signing for people every single day, and I feel so complete with you know having met Kurt Russell and kind of checking off all the boxes. Well, you also have like a fucking professional photo with Johnny Depp. Any signed your yeah, post, but I'm I'm a fucking collector, so if I can go down the street and get Johnny Depp, no problem. Like a year ago, I would have been there, but I I feel done, dude. Spielberg is going to be in D.C. in, in you know, the coming months. I'm still I'm, going, so you don't have I'm not to. going, I'm dude. Going. I'm not going because, I, like I said, I, I feel... I'll go alone. We had a plan. I, I understand. I'm ditching ditch you because okay. I'm done, man. I just, uh, you know, could be doing other shit now. I feel like I've been there, done that. I've never met Spielberg. It'd be, it'd be cool, but that's time I could be spending with my kids. You know what I mean? Priorities are changing take a little them, bit. I don't take care, them with I, you. I don't care about my kid or my dog. <laughs> well, your Fuck kid's off. grown, so you'll be all right. I'm going to meet Spielberg. Yeah. Just strap him on your I back. I don't know go. where she is. She's probably smoking a huge bong right now somewhere. Yeah, and I have I no clue where that is, but yeah, it's all good. So, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, enough of Jeremy's stories for this evening. There's plenty. Of I'm doing and the I, best I ever did. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm doing the best I ever did. So, go away. No, no I think someday Jeremy needs to write a book. And you can all read it. Dude, I... So. Plan, what planning you know, a documentary. Planning a documentary. You've been saying that for years. I know. I need. I need to actually do it. That's the difference. <laughs> is like I'm like I got this great idea. I remember you saying, yeah, you were gonna do a YouTube channel actually of this shit. You're like I'm gonna do a YouTube channel of all this autograph. Yeah. Stuff. No. Yeah. Documentary. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I remember both though. I'm not wrong. I swear to God, I heard those both come out of documentary. Your mouth, you can call it I Jeremy. I Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I robot. Yeah. yeah. I like See, it. patrons, this is the kind of awesome, amazing content that you get for for paying money to listen to this show. <laughs> Isn't this great? This is what you're paying for. They're like, well, this getting? is the last and, episode. Uh, on, like, I just heard Jeremy <laughs> talk about a thing prop for 15 minutes. I'm the fuck out. Yeah, but seriously, honestly, in all all seriousness. How cool is that, though? Like, you you don't see stuff like that just floating around. That's extremely it weird. It is, man. For one of the best movies ever made, your favorite director. Yeah. One of your favorite actors. So that's just what this show has always been about, man. The love of yeah. film. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get into this shit right now. We're going to be counting down our top five monster movies. This is 80s edition, so that means that we can continue this series on decade by decade, whether Jeremy wants to or not. <laughs> Why'd you say? Why'd you say if Jeremy wants to? What the, <laughs> the fuck you single me out for? 
hey, listen, I'm just going by your comment that you're you're like, I don't go any further past the six. It's Look, n- everyone, it's not, despite, it's not because... Despite Jeremy, we will go forward with this series. <laughs> no, dude, I'm... Uh, hey, man, 70s is cool, 90s is cool, 2000s, 2010s, we're in the 2020s already. We got a lot of fucking... The 50s. The 50s, Jeremy, the 50s. I mean, dude, I'm down. It's not like I'm like, yo, fuck, fuck movies from before 1960. It's just, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't really delved into it much, man. It just... No, it's you know, very true. Yeah, we'll very give you time. And, and, it's, hey, man, yeah, it's okay. Calm down. Fuck you, Brady. No, I, I will fucking, I will fucking school I you, Brady. Okay? I've seen more horror <laughs> yeah, films. Let's, let's... You're going to school me on 50s horror that you haven't even fucking no, seen? I'll, I'll okay, school you on horror you. in general. How about that one, buddy? Oh, okay. How about that one? Go for it. I think, Good. how many times have I said on this podcast, I literally just started watching horror movies yesterday. Which is why I'm a fucking school, you bitch! Now this is the time where the patrons are like, okay, I think I'm out now. But no, please stay. You're going to love this. Top five Better monster stay because you're about to see this old man fall. From the 1980s. And this is definitely, like I said earlier on, the heyday like of creature effects movies. The 90s still had them, but as the 90s got into the later years, it was more and more CGI. Jurassic Park, as great as those effects are in terms of practical animals, creatures, the dinosaurs. There's also a lot of CG. And then from there, everyone tried to do the same thing. Great example, Jumanji tried to do animals for real. Watch that now in 4K. It's going to hurt your eyes. But we are doing the 80s. So let's start with this week, the youngin, the unknowing beauty. <laughs> why do you say it like this like, week? Like it's not different from every other week. Well, because last week you didn't go first, Jeremy that's right. went first. So I'm just going no, by, true. you know. Memory. Are you that drunk last already, motherfucker? Seriously. Yeah. You were drunk last I week. Was. You actually dropped your microphone. I have to cut that out of the episode. Well, I so wasn't drunk at that part. <laughs> the thing that you sent me is like a fucking tripod that gets top heavy. Bro, I got to set it up in gotta, one spot. You got to get a crane arm. Crane arm, dude. Jeremy's got a crane arm. Jeremy get sells posters. Arm. What do I have? <laughs> go sell your wife on the street. I don't give a fuck what yeah. you do. Just get it. I'm not going to comment anything because any you just, 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 you know, just stand outside of your apartment complex and just do fucking improv uh, slam poetry. <laughs> I fucking I would love to hear that. But I could do it like uh, I could just do cake songs. So I could be like engines thumping, bumping in time. <laughs> or you could you know what you could do, Brady? You could just go pray on your hands and knees to our Lord and Savior known as Melonhead, and maybe he'll gift you, you with go. some money. And you could, couple quarters and you could in your probably pocket. just go fuck yourself. Mm. Don't ever take Melon's I, head's name in vain like that. You understand? Melonhead is my lord What, what about Buckethead? So what about like Buckethead? Who the fuck is that? The fucking dude that he like wore a Kentucky Fried Chicken that guitar player? bucket on his head. Yeah. He was like mocking Slash. <laughs> that was like his thing. Mr. Metal over here. Didn't he play with, didn't whatever, Buckethead man. play in Guns N' Roses? He, he played with yeah. GNR. Yeah, he did. Yeah. In, in the later years with just Axel, when there was no other uh, member of Guns N' Roses really except for that Axel. As Guns N' Roses, even though it's Guns N' Roses. Well, he owns name. the name, so he can have anyone he wants to. And he be chose ready. Buckethead. A guy that wore a, a fucking player, KFC so. bucket on his head. I'm not joking. Look, dude, <laughs> West Borland has been wearing God knows what since the 90s, so. That's West Borland. Because it doesn't though, matter. Yeah. I have a picture saved on my phone cool. of West Borland that I look at every day that this is great. It's him making one of these faces. Dude, and it's got like the red and the white. He uh, he just performed with Danny Elfman at Coachella. That's fucking insane. Yeah, I saw he that. He did. Danny Elfman's another great, crazy fucking character. Uh, great performance. I'm I'm super bummed. What a I didn't strange tell you this, looking human being. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that mm. he is. You, Talk about you're creature right. features. No, he is. Yeah. Dude, his uh, <laughs> sister-in-law friended me on Facebook because I I run like you mod a fucking autograph group. I mod a Batman group and. 
she joined it and like we were commenting back and forth and she friended me and I was like, yo, hook this shit up. Like get, get them to do a show near me. Also like asked about autographs and stuff and she's going to oh, ask. Oh, that's right, dude. Like, Danny Elfman or yes. Wes Borland? Yes. Not Wes Borland. Okay. Don't say it like that. No, I, I'm just saying it's Danny Elfman, man. One of the best composers and musicians of all time. And it's Wes Borland. One of the. <sighs> number number five. We were we're starting with what? What's the number? What's five, the number? Seventeen. Number five. We're doing a top five. Then we can do our honorable mentions after the fact. Mm-hmm. Brady, this is this is a very hard subject. Like Jeremy said, yeah. number five monster movie. So I want to preface this by saying that for these monster movies, we decided not to do anything really with ghosts or overtly demonic possession type stuff. So yes, Evil Dead's in the eighties. Yes, it's a big thing. It's not going to show up in any of our lists. There's also a couple other movies that we talked about that aren't going to show up on the list because it's they're automatically assumed to be number ones, like Jeremy's favorite movie, The Thing. Like That's probably not going to show up on this list. So I'm sure that's a great movie out there. Uh, or, I mean, I know it's a great movie, but I'm sure it's on everybody's list. You better, it's, you better correct yourself, it's, uh, motherfucker. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be on here, just because it's, it's like a cop-out. Yeah. That being said, 100%. coming in at number five for me is from 1980 with the tagline... Between life and death, there is humanoids from the deep. Woo-hoo! Also titled wow. Monsters. Uh, a Roger Corman Roger Corman production. Style. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Both part Jaws and Creature from Black Lagoon. Also some slasher aspects in there. This movie's a lean, mean, sleazy machine. Uh, all around cheesy movie about a fishing town being preyed on by a monster made from a failed science experiment. Uh, in my description, it's very sleazy. The nudity is just insane in this movie like definitely corman special it's literally it's literally fishmen raping women like this raping women this rape this movie, movie is yeah. fish monsters all right well when you, rape when you say women. like that all right <laughs> but they get away with it because they're yeah. fishmen yeah, they're fish not men. normal men Did you imagine like any better like dude rape, rape obviously is not funny you know in the slightest but could like no, it's not dude not could you imagine like <laughs> i got fucked by a fish yeah I didn't realize that was happening when I was watching it for the first time until the end, which is also completely bonkers. But the thing that got it for me more than anything was that ventriloquist doll <laughs> in the tent who that girl's like so ready to fuck. And she's like, oh, maybe I'll have a three-way with this doll. And she's like, he's like, you want me to show you my uh, my long wood stick? And she's like, am I going to get splinters? I was like, okay, what am I watching here? See, but you know, the thing is though, seriously, in all seriousness, and I have to say that I have to like preface everything I say with that because everyone wants to be fucking canceled and cancel me motherfuckers. And let's go. You're toxic, man. You're saying whatever, literally, it's not like they set out to be like, we're going to make a fucking vicious rape movie. (laughs) They're like, no, what do the monsters want to do? They just want to fuck. And there's these hot bitches around. And that's what they did with it. It's not well, yeah, intentionally I, trying to be politically incorrect. Yeah, or, I think the difference too is it's not like a fish monster movie in the vein of Last House on the Left or I exactly Spit on Your Grave. The tone. It's not mean spirited. Yeah, exactly. The tone is everything. Tone and context is everything. I have to say that on Twitter like every day, yeah. which people don't understand that. But uh, that's an amazing pick, which I did not yeah, expect I, to hear. You on know, your list, I don't dude. think you've really lived until you've seen this movie. I uh, love. This I think movie, the ending dude. is. Also kind of a straight up ripoff of Aliens, but that's fine. I still liked it. And then the creature design is done by Rob Botten. Botin. Botin. Botin, sorry. The Botin. Did the thing, the howling. It's a quick little fun watch. Comes in at like 80 minutes. Definitely worth it. Dude, epic, five. epic pick, man. I, I love this movie. And, you know, real quick, you know, talking about autographs and shit like that. 
Chiller Theater. I knew it. You no, no, no. I fucking it. wish, dude. I fucking wish. <laughs> so Chiller Theater is coming up. He just sold it. Yeah, I just sold it. <laughs> I bought a fucking... I got nothing. Um, So uh, Chiller Theater is coming up. And like usually Chiller Theater, it's like either they have like a handful of people that I'm like, fuck, I got to go. I need these people. Or typically they have like nobody that I need. Their, their shows are either hit or miss for me. Dude, there was only one name at Chiller Theater that would make me want to go there. I'm not going... But uh, it was it was an actress, and I, I can't recall her name right now, that was in Humanoids from the Deep. And I was like, dude. Mm-hmm. She was one of the uh, the main stars of the film tour. I was like, dude, god damn it. Like, I would love to have a Humanoids from the Deep signed poster because it's so ridiculous. I would love to meet Roger Corman. He's somebody that I've never never met before. Was it the, and he's was still it the scientist? Alive. Was it the scientist? Dude, yeah. He's, he, yeah, I think he so. He must be an alien because he's still alive. I'd love to Anne meet him Turkle? as well. He's a fucking right? legend. Uh, yeah, some, something. I, I can't recall if it was anyway. her or not. But uh, yeah, great, great. Number five pick. Did not expect that from you, Birata Alada. Well, I like to uh, I like to surprise everyone. You know. All right. Well, I guess I'll I'll jump into my number five. Uh, I was two years old when it came out because it came out in 1986. Phantom of the Opera. So I was making sure it wasn't the same as my. When number five. when 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 the Ooh. pandemic was fucking insane and nobody was leaving their houses, me and a couple buddies would uh would like Skype, Zoom, hang out, or, and we would watch movies. And it was just what we did. And this was a movie that I had not seen until, you know, 2020. And I fucking love it. It's fantastic. It's a movie called Neon Maniacs. Ooh, I haven't heard of that. Dude, so the plot of Neon Maniacs is a group of teenagers in San Francisco discover a nest of homicidal monsters living in a tower at the Golden Gate Bridge. But when they try to tell authorities, no one believes them. Okay, so dude, this movie is fucking insane. There is a shit like like you should Google right now, Neon Maniacs. I it am. just it looks like samurai. Dude, there there's a samurai monster. There's like oozy gross. Dude, this movie is insane, and it's so much fucking fun. Uh, I bought a, an original. Uh, theatrical poster for it and uh, the only person that like does any type of like autograph signing or like is even like remotely like somebody who you would know is dude Andrew Divoff is one he Mm -hmm. plays like the the gin yeah the gin from Wishmaster he plays uh, like a doctor monster in this movie Uh, Neon Maniacs is fucking insane it's great. I'm, I can't remember, I remember when you told me, but when you told me to watch it, I fucking watched it, and they were texting you, this is the greatest thing it is, I've ever it's seen. It's so much fun, and Justin, please do me a favor. At the end of this episode, can you please play the song from that movie, Baby Lied? Because. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to find oh, it. Oh, it's, it's on YouTube. It's it's on YouTube. Okay. I'll put it on there. <laughs> I think the song was written like by a band just to perform in the movie. The song is fucking amazing. So not only is this there this batshit insane monster movie with all these different kinds of monsters with these high school kids that nobody believes them that there's these fucking monsters going around killing people. There's a badass song in it too. Number five is Neon Maniacs. Listeners, please do me a favor. You will not regret it. Watch Neon Maniacs. It's incredible. Everything I'm looking at kind of seems similar to like Street Trash. Yeah, it's completely different. Completely different, though. 
It's a lot more of a straightforward, fun 80s monster movie. I, I'm praying. I've been waiting for like a proper high definition release of the movie. Because um, when I watched it, it was just a VHS rip, but definitely check it out. I remember watching it. Again, I always love these recommendations like, yo, bro, have you ever watched this? And I'm like, never heard of it. And then when you go to find it and you're able to actually find it and you watch it and it's fucking epic and amazing how exciting that is. You're like, oh my God, like to find something that you've never seen, it brings you back to that moment you were that kid in the video store, like looking at that cover, renting it, going back to your grandma's house, watching it and loving it, you know? And then being able to go the next week to school and tell kids about a movie that, you know, they'll never fucking watch, but you loved, so... Great fucking pick, dude. Yeah. Right, this is another check it out. Doing great. Two movies I did not expect to hear on the list yet. Mine, yeah, it's slightly generic. This is actually a movie that I went to see in a theater with Jeremy. Wolfman's got nards. I had to put on the Monster Squad, Fred Decker's iconic 1987 classic. Um, monster effects by Stan Winston. I mean, it's got literally every fucking monster in it that you would want to see in it. It's got fucking their version of Gilman. It's got the Frankenstein's monster. It's got Wolfman. It's got Dracula. One of the best, if not one of like my top three Dracula interpretations, live action versions ever uh, doesn't get enough love. And we, Jeremy, we went to see a anniversary edition screening of the movie with some of the cast. We got photos and autographs. For and then free, dude. I actually got, for free, I got to we 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 at Alamo booked Wolfman's Got Nards, which is the documentary about Monster Squad and the fans of Monster Squad, and I actually got drunk with Andre Gower and uh, on whiskey on his his dime, and he was one of the coolest, kindest, amazing people I've met. That was in one of my favorite movies, and uh, that's why when he had his scare with his heart attack, I definitely made sure to contribute uh, to his GoFundMe and do everything I could because this movie literally it's. And I wish that I came to this movie as a kid. I did not. I saw it much later. I was a teenager, so I wasn't like a young kid. We all know how the release of this movie happened. You know, the studio did not back it. They didn't have their heart in it. And uh, I wish they did because this should have been a huge, huge. Hit. It is. It is Fred now, Becker, man. which is which is yeah, cult classic, which is now, insane. But. Like, dude, uh, apparently this is a very autograph centric episode for me because I'm talking about <laughs> autographs a lot. But. Right now. Motherfucker, you have yeah. everything, though. Well, you have everything. Uh, so right now. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank it, you very much. It's so wild. Like, the uh, the autograph market for Halloween has plummeted because there's been so many private autograph signings over, you know, the pandemic and shit like that to where it's like getting a cast sign Halloween poster a while ago, you'd be paying fucking top dollar. Where now nobody's really paying that for Halloween pieces. But, dude, Monster Squad pieces are flying, dude, man. It's insane. Like, these cast sign posters, they're not even on original posters. They're going for, like, 750 like, 800 bucks to 1000 bucks. Like, Monster Squad right now is hotter than it's ever been, man. It's Which is because our, not, our generation is is showing it to other generations and people are, are yeah, latching onto it. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, my daughter, when she was, like, 12, dude, it was before I showed her A Nightmare on Elm Street. That was her first hard horror movie that I ever showed her. But before that, I was like, I want to show her something that I think she'll enjoy. She loves Monster Squad. When I showed it to her, she wanted to watch it again like the next day. That and Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which may or may not show up in a little bit. Not to be... So my number five is the Monster Squad. Before we get away, not to be super morbid, but do you think that 
that has anything to do with him suffering that really bad heart attack last year. As far as the, like the autograph shit going up. Yeah, like maybe people are like having a reaction, like uh, maybe we'll never get it. No, uh, because he's he's made a full recovery. People know about that. Um, so you know, I don't think that that has any bearing on it. You know, to be morbid, had you know, God forbid, something happened. Yeah, like absolutely. The first thing people do is they go to eBay and they buy it. They exactly. buy the stuff before the eBay sellers can take it down. Um, a good seller would still sell it. A bad seller would refund you your money and jack the price up. But that's typically what happens, man. I mean, just like, uh, you know, anytime a celebrity goes instantaneously, the eBay sales go insane. You you, you can watch it. Anything, yeah. anything regarding the actor always goes yeah. crazy. But yeah, so that's my number five. Be ready. Back to you, young man, for your number four. So I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and I'm struggling with the fact that I'm getting older. but Bitch, you ain't even 30 yet. Lately, I'm older than Kurt Cobain was, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> lately, I've been getting these weird... You guys probably had it, but... Boners. The smell oh, of no. something... Well, I always get those. Let's just I say like to. you smell menthols, right? And it takes you back to some place. Yeah. So like, I was walking the other day, and some dude passed me on the sidewalk and was smoking our Marlboro Red, and it took me back you to... You mean like, the, the, the Prowler screening when we were smoking yeah, in the hotel? Yeah, it took me back That's to... That's what like, it brought uh, you back to? <laughs> Like my grandparents' house. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, this is weird. But it's been happening a lot lately. So there are movies that do that for me. Uh, and in terms of like rewatchability, I put them on my list. But one specifically that I'll use in a, as an example is like Halloween 4. Whenever the title sequence for that, the opening title sequence happens, I it's immediately I'm 13 years old trying to hide what I'm watching on AMC Fear Fest, middle of October, watching On the Countdown to Halloween. So it's <clears throat> movies like that make my list a lot and my number four is no different with the tagline it started in may in a small town and every month after that whenever the moon was full it came back silver bullet i knew that i knew it i fucking, it's low but i knew it was gonna I be on your love list love this movie uh it's you know i'm a huge stephen king fan and it's adapted from a really great novella he wrote called Cycle of the Werewolf that was illustrated by Bernie Wrightson. Great fucking book if you guys can get it. Um, but this is just so good and it does a great job of balancing like that horror aspect with the comedy where I don't feel that it goes over the top too many times other than Gary Busey being Gary Busey. But there's... Drunk Gary, Gary Busey. Busey. You can't beat Drunk Gary Busey. <laughs> I'm Gary Busey! <laughs> like specifically, there's a scene in there where all the men from the town are hunting this beast that killed a kid, killed a bunch of people. And there's fog everywhere and they keep getting picked off one by one. And By the bear wolf. By the bear wolf. And one guy gets dragged down and then the werewolf starts beating him with his own bat. And it's funny, but also like menacing, you know, in that sinister kind of way. Uh, I just really love it. Corey Haim, you know, really was showing his chops here. I think Gary Busey is great all around. Everett McGill as the reverend slash werewolf is also menacing. And that was the first thing I saw him in. And then a couple years later, I watched Twin Peaks and I was like, oh, it's He's werewolf. amazing in Twin Peaks. Yeah. He's totally different, man. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. super menacing in Silver Bullet. Um, and also, it's got a kid named Brady in it. So I, I got to have that on my list. He gets killed, but you know. He's also a piece of shit. He's also so at least you can relate, right? Shit, right. <laughs> <laughs> His dad wasn't watching him either. <laughs> So yeah, that's number so four. So you can relate even more. <laughs> Dude, Sil- Silver Bullet is such a such a fucking great movie. Uh, I remember watching it when when I was a kid, and 
being like, man, I wish I was handicapped and had this wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, that wheelchair oh, was badass. Right. Or I'm like, I mean, fuck walking. Fuck dude, walking. I for can... real went 30 miles yeah. per hour, man. It went 30 fucking miles per hour. Like, for real. And they actually had Corey Haim in it, and it actually ran 30 miles per hour. Like, those scenes where he's going down the street, that ain't no stunt double. That's fucking him. So this is going to be really thing. politically incorrect, but Stephen Hawking was supposedly the smartest man in the universe, and he couldn't make his wheelchair go that fast? I'm just saying. Facts are facts, bro. Just saying. Facts they made facts. one for a movie. <laughs> so... That's a great pick, man. I enjoy this movie all the time. Like um, you had mentioned before, Brady, that it's around 4th of July when this one hits for you. And definitely for me as well. Yeah. It's that like summer has started and it just feels like summer, like all that. And I definitely am hoping to, it's on my list to uh, go check out the filming location. Been there. I've been there. The transformation. You've been on the bridge. Oh, have you? North Carolina. We're them picks, motherfucker. I gotta find them. I gotta find them. We played in the, my band back in the day played in the town that they, they filmed it in. So yeah. Whoa. Shit, man. I, w- awesome. I was going to say that the transformation scene is great, but I don't like the overall creature design as much as I thought I would. Don't worry, Look, bro. It looks no just like a bear. Does. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's kind of, no it's kind of like, werewolf. it's kind of like the masks in Halloween H2O. It's like, you know, you just, you just learn to live with it and go, you know what? That's just fine. That's fine because the movie's yeah. good. Yeah. And then also the last part that I'm going to say about this, the little like instrumental trills whenever there's about to be a murder or right after, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, do it's like, ooh, yeah. get you every time. Got him. Yeah, man. Got right. him, get him. That's me. What about you, Jeremy? What's number four? Number four is a, f- number is four. a film from 1983. It's it's another film that I discovered later in life. Uh, it wasn't one that I rented when I was a kid. I do remember the, uh, the box art for it. The box art is fucking badass, but it was just something that I always kind of said, ah, next time, and it was never next time. I just always chose other stuff until... Maybe 10 years ago, I finally was like, all right, let me check this out, man. I, I, I really started, you know, going down a rabbit hole about 10 years ago with any 80s horror film that uh, I hadn't seen. I, I, I started seeking out, and, and I remembered this one, so I watched it, and, man, I fucking love it so much. It's The Deadly Spawn, and I, I don't oh, know if shit. I've only seen this dude, once. It's uh, Brady, have you seen this? I have. Actually. Yeah, dude, it's surprising. Yeah, right? right? Yeah, that is surprising. Um <laughs> no offense. Uh it's so yeah, it's, all right. it's so good, man. Like it's the practical effects like this movie had a very very limited budget. Um wasn't this filmed uh in like upstate New York or some shit like that? Yeah, I think sure it was. It, was, it had a very limited movie. budget, but the 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 practical effects in this movie are absolutely amazing. Um the plot is alien creatures invade a small town and four teenagers, along with a young boy, attempt to escape from them. So, like, dude, these these monsters are, like, kind of, like, red with these fucking massive fangs and tentacles and shit like that. And, like, dude, these, these alien creatures, they're, like, it's getting bigger in the basement of this house. And, like, this kid realizes that there's these alien monsters in this house. And, it, you know, there's little slug worms. And then, they you know, they grow bigger. And it's... It's insane, man. Um, absolutely insane. It's a great time. Um, finding anything from this movie is kind of difficult, so I'm stoked that I, I own a little, uh, like, little, here, little... Here we go. This is a collecting <laughs> heavy one for me, this this episode, but uh, it's a little uh, statue from uh, Deadly Spawn. It was like a little model kit that came out back in the day, like probably early 90s, if not late 80s. 
and uh, it looks beautiful, man. I, I, I love owning it because, dude, I, I search Deadly Spawn more often than I should on eBay, and there's, like, never fucking anything good. So uh, it's a great one, man. If, if you guys haven't seen it, you want to watch, a, you know, a, a lower budget but really, really well done practical effects monster movie from the 80s, this is it. Great pick, dude. Well, there it is. And uh, my number four. Come on. Come on. Do it now. Ah, If it bleeds, we can kill it. Uh, There's no way that I can do an 80s monster movie episode. This was so hard. Ladies and gentlemen, seriously. The two I, ladies that are listening, I, I, know that's I, I put I put so but, many restrictions <laughs> on the like what I considered a monster movie and shit like that. That uh, yeah. I uh, yeah, dude, I would I I should have put this one on there too, but I was like, I really really restricted myself. I was like, no, I I get it, man, I get it. It's 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 an alien. I know there's probably going to be more aliens that show up on my list in a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, like you 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 can't deny that Stan Winston design and just the fact that in reality all predator is is the thing from another world in a jungle um that's invisible it's just a different version of those classic 50s monster movies but also with a huge action element to it and a great ensemble cast jesse the body ventura arnold schwarzenegger carl fucking weathers you know, even Shane Black in there, who went on to direct The Predator and a bunch of Iron other Man amazing movies that I love. Three, Iron Man yeah. 3, you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, mm, one of my favorite movies of all time, movie. The Nice Guys. He's in this movie and he was just an actor at this point and a, and a writer. He's the one that wrote Lethal Weapon. I mean, it, the movie itself is by far one of my favorite movies of all time. We talk about comfort flicks all the time on the show. It's weird that I've never actually reviewed Predator on Epic Film. Five Guys, out of five, bitch. Episode. Um, <laughs> on Podstalgic with my good friend Pete a few years ago, which actually did really fucking great. Because uh, this movie, you know, Jeremy, we know that you and I are on the same level when it comes to Arnold. You as well, Brady. We all met Arnold Schwarzenegger together. This is definitely by far a top five Arnold movie. And like I said, it's, it's a different version of what a monster movie could be in the 80s because this is like an action spectacle. This is man versus monster. Whether it's alien or not, this is a giant fucking creature. Um, would I be putting this movie on my list had Jean-Claude Van Damme finished the movie with his version of the creature design he was in? No, motherfucker. But here we have it. It has to be on the list. It is one of the best action movies and best creature movies of the 80s, so it had to be Predator from John McTiernan in 1987. Right. Real, real quick, my number four. go around. What's your favorite line from Predator? Your favorite one-liner? Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's good. What's the matter? See how you get you pushing too many pencils? Actually, mine is, it, oh my God, every single time it happens, I laugh out loud. Whether I'm sober, drunk, high, he throws the fucking machete at the guy and he hits the wall. He's like, stick around. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna That's go. my favorite scene in the whole movie. It doesn't even involve the predator. It's just when they fucking take out that, that camp and it's like, oh shit, we killed a bunch of innocent people that had nothing to do with why we were here, but... Fuck it, we fucked him up. Yeah, no, that's a great one. I think mine has got to be the iconic. I ain't got time to bleed. Oh yeah, but by the body, but yeah. It, again, you know, there there's a lot of lines in this. Jesse Ventura's line, 
that we can't really say anymore because you'll get in trouble if you say that word. But there's a lot of great one-liners in that movie. One of the best movies ever made. Fuck anyone that says otherwise. Yeah, agreed, man. Uh, my number three is one that actually Justin showed me for the first time last year after we went out and got drunk oh at God. our favorite Jimmy's Tavern and came back and he was like, you've never seen this fucking movie? And so he popped it in. Did I yell at you about it? I probably Yeah, did. you did. Uh, tagline is, <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. Killer clowns from outer space. Oh, yeah, I did show you this movie. Yeah, and I'm, I'm right. very upset now that it took so long for me to watch this, but I hated clowns growing up. I still pretty much hate clowns to this day. Uh, Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise in the miniseries It was something that I watched when I shouldn't have watched and scarred me for life. Basically, the power went out when I was watching it. Shouldn't have been watching it. And I live, my room was like in the basement of our house, split foyer. And I was trying to walk back to my room, but it was like you took one step every 30 seconds to listen to everything around you because I was sure that Pennywise was down there. Well, my dad was coming downstairs at the same time to try to find the breaker and just ran right into me in the dark because he didn't think I was up and scared the shit out of me. Uh, He was also naked, but we don't have to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) But Brady was his wee wee. Either. Yeah, it smacked Brady uh, it in the was... fucking forehead. <laughs> it went... <laughs> so, sorry that went in your mouth. Oh, my God. I'm so God. sorry. Oh, my uh, God. Not to have too many stories about my dad's penis, but there was another time. My dad slept naked, and there was another time where we had a mouse problem in our house, and I got out of bed one night and just barefoot stepped on a mouse, and it squeaked. So I freaked out and just started screaming. So my dad comes running downstairs thinking that something was happening to me and the lights come on and he's just butt ass naked. Dick flopping. <laughs> it's flopping. It's still like a couple seconds behind him. And that, <laughs> that mouse is on the floor and he just locks eyes with it. It gets on his hands and knees and starts trying to swat at it with his hands. Brady, where his balls jiggling as Everything he did that? was jiggling like, and I just sat there on my bed in horror. Like, I don't know. It was that mouse saw like a pendulum swing. It was like, <laughs> oh uh, my you, god! But, dude. Uh, yeah. Oh. So, anyways, going into my number three, oh, uh, great killer clowns from outer space. You're never gonna beat that. Just want to let you know <laughs> this. That was a high point uh, forever. Right. So this movie's peak level oh, of Edie's camp, I think. Whereas I was saying Silver Bullets like kind of balances that act for me. This one kind of goes balls to the wall with it. And I like it. And the thing that really captured me is the color schemes in it. Because most of the horror that I try to catch up on or watch is very dark, very sinister, very brooding. And this one is just that carnival colors, man. It's beautiful. And the set design, the costume design, like it just, it reels you in. And like the, um, what, the shadow puppets, the cotton candy, it's all great. It's all silly, sinister fun. You know, like that scene where he's like, oh, I'm going to knock your block off. And then he knocks his fucking head off. I was like, holy fuck, what are we watching? And it's just a great time. And super thankful Justin finally got me to watch it because I probably wouldn't have watched it on my own. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, classic. Um, perfect example. Perfect example of a true monster movie because the Shiodar brothers, when they made this movie, they were homaging the movies they got to grow up with. They were seeing at Saturday matinees, those 1950s, you know, uh, mon- monster science fiction movies. I mean, let's make let's make it clear that the clowns are aliens, but they're in the appearance of clowns, and they take that element and that theme 
to the top. It's just absolutely one of the funnest movies. I know Jeremy is a huge fan of this movie. I mean, I can see one of the killer clowns yep. uh, behind his yep. head right there. I know you love this movie. I do. I I, I fucking super love this movie. Um, and I turn my head to the right, and I'm looking at a, at a life-size one over there as well. That, you know, It's the one that you talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show, Dude, right? I'm, I'm still just holding out hope because, you know, they've teased us a sequel for so many years. I know Sci-Fi, so Sci-Fi Channel acquired the rights to it. You know, they, they made that uh, Slumber Party Massacre, you know, kind of reboot. And uh, they had mentioned that they were going to do a similar thing with Killer Clowns. I hope it fucking happens. Uh, we need more Killer Clowns in our lives. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and jump into my number three. Uh, after a bizarre and near-deadly encounter with a serial killer... Television newswoman is sent to a remote mountain resort whose residents may not be what they seem. I am talking about 1981's The Howling. Oh my god, what a great pick! I love this movie, I've always loved this movie. Uh, this is one that I for sure grew up watching. Uh, you know, people, people argue about what's the best transformation scene is it American Werewolf? Or is it the howling? And you know, you're kind of usually one or the other. Um, I I prefer the howling because I love this movie a little bit more than I love American Werewolf. You know, you've got you've got D Wallace, um, you know, the mom from fucking ET. You have her her husband Christopher Stone that's in it. It's directed by Joe Dante, right? It's yeah. it's fucking incredible, man. Um. I just I love this movie, and the movie is fucking weird. It's it's not your typical like. It kind of s- starts off as one thing, and then it turns into something else. Like you you know, you're watching this movie where it's like this this creep serial killer that's on the loose, and then all of a sudden it's like a werewolf thing. I don't know. I I love it. I think it's wacky. You know, this is this is one property that it's 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 always been amazing to me that. The sequels are so wonky as fuck, right? Not one of them. Not is really one good. of them is very good. People, some people will argue with you um, that some of the sequels are great. I only truly love the first one. I can't even fucking watch the second one. I'm sorry. Like I was gonna say, I'm I think the you. second one is I'm probably the you. biggest disappointing horror sequel I've ever seen. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, I I I love this movie. I love the werewolf design. Uh, Robert Picardo uh, is fucking terrifying like absolutely terrifying as the villain uh eddie so this Mm -hmm. this is a this is one that i can pop on anytime and just just sit back relax and just really really enjoy the ride with this one so what i always think is funny in this is that d wallace and christopher stone were married for a time and they play husband and wife yeah in this movie but then they're also in cujo together and he plays the guy she's having an affair with, and I just th- I thought that was always cool. Yeah, I saw, I saw little little it's things because like they that. were banging for real, Brady. For real, I, I saw like a, a really kind of sweet and and heartwarming video uh, of their daughter uh, in real life, um, and it was Gabrielle. I don't is that her name? I don't know. I mean, but, yeah, maybe. <laughs> You're just like making up names. You're like, yeah, fucking Leslie. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. No, it's Gabrielle. No, it's Gabrielle. He, Brady probably fucking stalks her on Instagram or something. But uh, she she posted a 
like a little video on social media and it was her attending a screening of the howling, you know, probably within the past couple of years. And she, in the video, she goes, you know, I love going to see this movie because I get to see my mom and my dad because, you know, Christopher Stone has passed away, Oh, you know? And so yeah. she goes, I get to see my mom and my dad together and like loving each other and kissing each other Aww. and know that that was something that was real. And she said, it's it's a moment in time that I get to watch my parents in love and kissing and being affectionate towards each other. And she goes, it brings me close to my dad every single time. Like, dude, really? It's unfortunate that he she also has to watch her dad, like, cheat yeah. on <laughs> He's, like, dicking down some yeah. werewolves. <laughs> with, with werewolf, bitch. No. And here's, here's, here's the part sex. where uh, my dad dicks down some werewolf. So there it is. But, uh, yeah. Look, <laughs> it's not true love unless you see your dad's dick. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, here, I guess it's full circle. Uh, I'm not, it's full circle. Great pick, dude. Seriously, one of my... Uh, uh, I gotta say, I gotta be honest, this was such a hard list. This is probably showing up in my honorable mentions. That's how hard this list was. I screened this for Terror Tuesday at Alamo DC Ashburn recently with the brand new Shout Factory 4K restoration. And man, this movie fucking always rules. By far, my number two werewolf movie of all time. It's just one of the best. And... Rob Boutin's effects in this movie in terms of the transformation, they rival Rick Baker's in American Werewolf. This was the beginning of, you know, him showing what he had uh, as a makeup effects artist in movies. And uh, Comfort Food, another movie, it's fun. It's got an upbeat tone, but the, the scuff is scary. It's always scary. Great, beautiful imagery. And uh, another Roger Corman yep. alum. You know, he came from the world of Roger Corman, so... Great fucking pick. And yeah, here I go again. Here I go. Uh, your pick was a Joe Dante movie and uh, Bright Light. Bright Hell Light. Yeah. It's got to be Joe Dante's Gremlins from 1984. Uh, Gremlin effects by Chris Wallace. Uh, could I actually do a list without including one of the best creature features of all time? It's fun. There are moments of fright but it is overall a family comedy with monsters in it but it's one of the best um literally there's stop motion animation in the movie there are puppets there are animatronics i never get tired of watching the behind the scenes Uh, there should be a lot more there should be like a full three-hour documentary on these movies um but there's only like two 30-minute segments that they've included on the past couple blu-ray releases on these movies it's just so fucking. I mean, literally, when you think about what had came before this, <laughs> Dude, I, like pre Gremlins, then post Gremlins, like creature effects after this movie changed completely. Like every movie tried to throw in some kind of cute, fuzzy creature or tried to have like a, a scary puppet of some kind. It was just, you know, E.T. was the precursor, and then you had Gremlins, and then it was like. All bets are fucking off. I mean, this movie, I watch it every Christmas season. I know you're a lover of this oh, movie, Jeremy, yeah. as well. It's, 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 dude, it, it never gets old. And I myself, you know, because I did a, a double feature at Alamo of the first and second film together. I like the second yeah. movie, which Rick Baker did all the gremlins on for that one. But it's, it's just such a blast of a movie. And um, when I look at it, it's just, it's the pinnacle. It really is. Like, there's no way that if they ever made a sequel or any kind of movie like Gremlins now, they would never 
hire like a hundred puppeteers and have like the scene in the theater of all of them watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is the yeah. pinnacle. I mean, you're never gonna get. Well, that dude, I, I was laughing because you, know? uh, you triggered a fucking memory that I haven't thought about in I did. in oh shit over a decade, man. Um, so I used to have a a text message notification that was Gizmo singing. It was. Right? Of course you have the range to do that too, don't you? <laughs> so, dude, I'll never forget. I was uh I was in some like realtor office and I was uh I was purchasing my first home and I got a fucking text message and I hadn't put my phone on silence all of a sudden it was <laughs> and the fucking realtor literally went the hell was that? <laughs> like, did not know. <laughs> did not. It, the hell was that? Like, he's like looking around, like I don't know what the fuck that was. And I was like, was Baby yeah. Billy Freeman, what the fuck like, was that? Come on, nerd, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I I was laughing, dude, and I was like, Oh man, it's 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 my phone. It's from the movie Gremlins. He said, I did not know what the hell that was, but like, dude, you talking about it just fucking made me remember it. And oh man. It's a good time. Also, you met you met Gizmo, motherfucker. You met him. Yeah, dude. Uh, you got his autograph. You met him. In yeah, person. quick, quick, quick one for you is uh, I was at the Halloween 40 Years of, of Terror convention in Pasadena, California. They were filming America's Got Talent literally right next door to where the, the convention was. And we were eating lunch and we got a text message, me and my buddy, that Howie Mandel was standing outside with some crew members. And we literally threw money on the table ran out of the fucking restaurant like it was on fire and ran like a bajillion blocks, got there. He was still there and he did the fucking gizmo voice for us and I got a picture with him. It was amazing. Damn. Yeah. That's so yeah. fucking cool, dude. Uh, that's that's one of the best things about, you know, those special features I was talking about is they did interview him and he's so proud of being the voice of Gizmo. That's why I'm so fucking sad that Secrets of Mogwai, the new HBO or whatever cartoon series, he's not voicing such bullshit. Gizmo. Dude, he came back for the fucking Mountain Dew commercial. Why wouldn't they get him? Zach Galligan. Why would you not? It's a travesty. Dude, he's alive. He can still do the and voice perfectly. And he loves perfectly. it. Like, he loves no it. There's no reason to not get it. Like, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, moving on here. Be ready. We're down to no, the top two of the top two. Yeah. Top two uh, has already been mentioned, but I... Oh, okay. Love werewolf films. And while I don't necessarily think that loving one of these means you hate the other one, I love both American Werewolf in London and The Howling. The Howling is what kind of takes it for me. Uh, I was talking to a friend this weekend, uh, Kyle from Vintage Horror, and we were debating the two, and he he's very much on the American Werewolf side of things. And he was saying it's just like comfort food to him because of the comedy and 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 how lighthearted it can be at times. And I was like, huh, well, I feel that way about The Howling for all the opposite reasons. I think I am drawn in by the plot more. Like Jeremy said, it's got a creepy-ass serial killer who targets Dee Wallace, and then she goes to this remote resort location, and it's just a cult of werewolves which is also fucking menacing. Uh, and I just don't think it ever really lets up. Like everything around her is crumbling. Even her husband shows up and ends up having an affair with one of the werewolves and and she's forced to, to fend them off. Um, 
I think when you get into the psychology of it too, it's very fascinating. Like it's the same reasons that I really love Sydney Prescott from the Scream series. She's a victim of this traumatic instant instance and then has to keep fighting through it. And it just shows a real resiliency. And I think Dee Wallace just knocks it out of the park. But Rob Botine, as I've been told is how you pronounce his name, uh, did the design and effects. I said here. it last week, motherfucker. Listen, and next time. I just Damn. really think a lot of times you talk about Stan Winston and we all love Stan Winston. Actually, it's, it's, it's Winstone. Winstone. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, it's Winstoney. I'm sorry. Winstoney. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> Mr. Winston, can you sign this? It's actually Winstoney, kid. I love the dinosaurs you made, Mr. Winston. Winstoney. <laughs> I don't know why I just did the Val Kilmer voice. <laughs> listen, uh, listen. I'll take a photo. No autograph today. I'll take a photo. But also that seedy, like porno theater in the beginning. What the hell? It's like Jeremy said. It's a movie that brings you in thinking it's one thing and totally turns into another. And every time that I watch it, I still feel like I'm about to watch some sort of like police thriller, detective thriller, and then it exactly. just takes you on a ride. And I, I just love it. It's, it's comfort food. You turn it on. I think the transformation is arguably better in my opinion than American Werewolf. Just I don't think it's better. I think it goes on for way too long. Mm. But it's it, yeah. I would say it's Give it to me. Good, Give me that long ass transformation scene, dude. The fucking dude, forehead fucking bubbling. Sean Clark who who came on the show um a few months back to review Halloween Kills with us, Jeremy. He did when he did his filming locations of the Howling, he homaged that transformation and it, in a sense, made a fun mockery of it at the same time, like showed some love to it. But it's funny because what he does is you have to watch it. If you have not seen the Horrors Hollowed Grounds episode of The Howling, watch it because he picks fun at how long that fucking transformation takes. Because there is like the same shot over and over. Yeah. Split second shot like implanted. Whereas, well, I'll get to American Werewolf in a few. <laughs> but I see. But for the reasons that people don't like the long drawn out scene, I love it. I think that it's just grotesque. I think that you're kind of put in the same spot as D. Wallace, where she's just paralyzed with fear watching it. And well, we wouldn't. Yeah, you're, you're right. And we we definitely Jeremy could comment on this as well. I don't think we would have gotten the visceral nature of the transformation stuff in the thing had we not seen what Boutine could do in the Howling, and they really showcased it. I mean, it was literally that part of the movie where shit built and it was like times 10 that was the moment that was the climax if you will when shit hit the fan and you're like oh man all bets are off like this is where yeah. we're at here and we had never seen a transformation scene like that before so I, I i do love it i just you know i get it yeah, yeah sorry i just i think it's slightly too long but it's not like it's a big deal yeah, yeah. Like, fine fuck it i'll watch five more seconds of you know the face pushing out and yeah. It's just surprising she stays there for that long, like watching, like, ah, I don't know okay. what I'd do. I'd probably piss myself. I'd, I'd jizz in his mouth. Then he just turns back into just, a dude and he's mouth, like, what the fuck, bro? His mouth is <laughs> fucking open jizz in my time, mouth, bro. Dude. I'm like, <laughs> dude, did you really just like, do well, that? I might as well make. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> what did you eat for lunch, motherfucker? God damn. Is those fucking Newports? Just imagine being on the other side of the room, like while he's transforming, and like I wonder if I could shoot a wad in his fucking oh mouth. <laughs> I'm gonna try it from over here. And <laughs> hashtag Jimmy. hashtag cancel Justin. Yes. <laughs> what is your? I want to shoot my dick into a werewolf mouth. 
Uh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he did have a he did have a longer throat during that transformation, oh so it probably would work <laughs> exactly. out for you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Brady's dad oh, runs in, dog. fucking naked, trying to swat him with his hands. <laughs> fucking just swatting at him. Get away from Brady! Get away! Come on, man. Don't do that to my dad. <laughs> so my number two, because we're in the, the top two, man. Two. After a tragic accident, a man conjures up a towering, vengeful demon called Pumpkinhead to destroy a group of unsuspecting teenagers. Of course, I'm talking about 1988's Pumpkinhead. This movie was a fucking institution for me growing up. Pumpkinhead. The f- being a small child, the name Pumpkinhead was terrifying. It was something that just the name, I was like, that's scary as fuck. There's a monster called Pumpkinhead. I want nothing to do with that. That's scary shit. But I did want something to do with it. I rented the movie often. This huge fucking towering monster with a fucking whipping tail that climbs out of the earth. It's a cursed demon, monster creature. Uh, You got a fucking wicked ass looking witch in it. You've got Lance Henriksen, which... At the time, I had already seen Alien, so I was like, oh, fuck. That's Bishop right there. This is fucking you know, rad. I'm sure you'd seen the Terminator. Oh, too, yeah, man. for sure, He's... for sure. So I'm like, I, I knew who Lance Henriksen was even as a small child. And this movie was just scary. Dude, the, and this is another uh, Stan Winstoney. This is the only yeah, one that, and that only he... movie that he directed himself. And, dude. I mean, just the way that he framed Pumpkinhead with the lights and sometimes, like, some lightning flashes and things like that was just... He made his creation look terrifying on film. I can Amazing. I can overlook the wires when he lifts the guy up in the one scene. I don't care... The movie is fucking amazing. I felt so sad when, when uh, Ed Harley's son... Uh, got killed. It, it was such a sad and tragic. This little cute kid with his glasses and gets fucking run over by a moped. Like, what a fucking way to go. How the fuck did you die? I got, <laughs> Poor got run over by a fucking moped. You know, it. I want to see a kid get run over by a <laughs> moped. Oh my God, man. No, Brian. It's, uh, man, this movie is, is still so good all these years later. Um, Dude, I just watched Pumpkinhead 2 for the first time, like, last year, I think. Uh, I, I, I've I owned the DVD for a million years, and I remember I started to watch it one time, and I was like, eh, it's not as good as the first one, and mm-hmm. turned it off, never went back to it. Dude, I just rewatched, I just watched it recently, you know, like I said, like, last year, and I loved it, man. It was a fun, fucking, straight-dead DVD monster movie, man. I, I enjoyed it. I, uh, yeah. makes me, should I watch the straight, uh, sci-fi channel movies? Probably not. Probably not. They suck. Yeah, I know. The second movie sucks too, but I, I'm glad you I, I gotta it. say, I do love the creature design of Pumpkinhead, but I really didn't like the movie overall. The movie itself. When I, I hear when a I lot, I hear that it. a lot actually. But I also I, just I, watched I, it for yeah. the first time this year. Oh shit. So it's probably a lot different watching it at 27 than watching it at like eight, eight or nine. nine yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it, it, creature effects in, in terms of the design and like I'm pretty sure you had said Tom Woodruff did the creature. Yeah. Uh, he was he was he was creature. He was pumpkin head. 
wearing those Nikes. Yeah, he, he did a lot of creatures that are going to show up on this list that have showed up on this list. And um, in, in terms of what how hard it was to be in that costume, I mean, this was, like I said earlier on in the show, you know, Pumpkinhead went into the 90s and that was like one of the last few huge creature builds where there, there's a guy in a suit, minus the Alien franchise, if you will, and a few others. Pumpkinhead's iconic, I think, just for the imagery alone. The movie itself, I've always enjoyed it. I do agree with Brady that I think that it's not like the best horror movie ever. I think there's a lot more they could have done with it. Um, it's it's it, it's so ripe for interpretation that this is one of those franchises that you know, Sci-Fi Channel go fuck yourself. I feel like if the a right big person, budget, yeah, or, or good size budget, yeah, yeah. Got behind it, or not, not not even man, maybe only twenty million or Blumhouse, something like man. that, and got another. Yeah, Blum mm, got a guy in a suit. Or, dude, imagine an A24 pumpkin head. Bro. I Seriously, sign like, me the fuck up for that right now. Seriously. Great cinematography. Like you were just saying perfectly there. Like what he did to light and visualize that character. Like when he showed up, man, he felt it. It was like uh, this huge presence. But that's that's a great pick, man. And honestly, I expected that Thank one you. from you. <laughs> so my number two... Guys, look at me sitting in a porno theater in Piccadilly Circus talking to a corpse. You knew this one was coming from 1981, An American Werewolf yep. in London by John Landis, creature designed by Rick Baker. Mm. <clears throat> I'm getting all choked up over this one. Uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I just, I love the love story. I love the, the bromance. I love the comedy. I love the transformation scene. I love... The creature design, I love every single thing about this movie. I'm not going to say comfort food anymore because it's already old hat on this motherfucker. It's just a plain good yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, no matter who you are, this is a movie that transcends the horror genre, I feel, in so many ways. Anytime I've seen it, and I have gotten a chance to see it on the big screen at Alamo Drafthouse before, and... People still laugh at the jokes and um, people that have never seen it are still affected by it the same way that I was when I came to this movie as an early 20 somethings. I had never seen this movie uh, growing up on VHS or anything, so I'm not the cool kid on the block that owned it. I saw it on AMC, uh, much like Brady saw Halloween 4. It was probably dear like during their Fear Fest mm. segment that they do leading up to Halloween season and Man, I watched this movie and it became a staple. I bought it immediately and dug in deep and became obsessed with it, especially when I found out that it was by the same director that did a bunch of other of my favorite movies like Animal House and Trading Places It, it was in Coming to America. It was just, whoa, the, the, this guy has a knack for this. And it's crazy to think, you know, John Landis was like literally a teenager when he wrote American Werewolf in London. He, it was like the late 60s. He was like a film, like a PA on some Western over in Europe or something when he wrote this. And it took him so long to get it made. But that was his, like, that was his passion project to make. Yeah. Uh, as soon as he did Animal House and Blues Brothers, he's like, fuck that, I'm making this werewolf movie. At a time when werewolf movies had already come and gone. Like, there was no other successful werewolf movie leading up to this. And this was a huge smash hit. And it had in my opinion, the best werewolf transformation scene of all time because of context and tone. 
it's fun, it's weird, it's uncomfortable, it's also scary, and it's fucking painful to watch. It really is. And it it it, it, it literally just it's the epitome of what it would be like if you're gonna transform into this creature. The shot of Mickey Mouse says it all. I mean, there it is. Yeah. So for me, number two, one of the best creature features of all time in American Werewolf from London. Dude, it's and it's never a guy in a suit. It's just literally Rick Baker with a hand puppet and then like literally a wheelbarrow with you know a werewolf. Hold on, on say say that, that word again, a wheel times. what? Wheelbarrow. Huh? Wheelbarrow. You're saying barrow? Yeah. Oh, dude, you know what's so funny is is my wife just yesterday asked me, she was like, it's wheelbarrow, right? And I was like, no, it's a wheelbarrow. It's a barrel with wheels on it. It's a wheelbarrow. She was like, I always... Like more like a wagon. She was like, I always said wheelbarrow. And I was like, no, it's not. So it's funny that you said barrow. I call it that because my grandfather used to help me... Justin, get the fucking wheelbarrow over there. Bring it over here right now. Mr. Stan Winstoney's coming over. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I had to haul, like, lumber and shit and all that stuff. And a wheelbarrow. That, what the fuck a is a barrow? I'm, fr- I'm from New York. New York. It's like a burrow. Okay? I don't know if that means anything to anyone, but that's that's my excuse. Understood. It's a great excuse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Ann, though. She'll be movie. excited. I do love cool. this film. I think it's cool. It's just, it's like for you how the howling is slightly below it. This is bl- slightly below a howling for me. I no, really do sense. love the it's soundtrack awesome. in this though. Like the opening is with Blue Moon. You got uh, Bad Mood Rising in there. You even got Moon Dance by Van Morrison. I think it's just, it plays into that fun aspect of it, that lightheartedness. Well, 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 and the best thing about this movie to me is that like it's a werewolf movie, but it's also something totally different. Like the movie's about this guy and what he goes through. And it just happens to be that he turns into a werewolf. You know, it's, it's when those elements are there and the movie transcends the genre, but still is the epitome of what the genre represents and what it's supposed to be when it can do both of those things. That's when it's special to me. So that's why it has to be this high. I mean, you can be a good horror movie all you want. You can be a good horror comedy all you want, but you can also be something that, transcends and goes above that and for me this movie does that well said i do also think that this has one of the most terrifying werewolf howls like every time that werewolf goes off it's just it shivers man yeah i still have that in the box i haven't opened it that NECA. it's giant Mm. the fucking figure of you know rick baker's amazing design it's sitting right over here but i haven't opened it yet so so someone tell you you should never open it yeah, probably not. I, I may not. Yeah. I may not. I mean, unless I meet Rick Baker, but who knows? Number one. You guys ready? Nope. It's game I over, man. So. Game over. Oh, on okay. 426, no less. On Alien Day. I know. Day. We're on Alien Day. And uh, great pick. I kind of saw this coming. Yeah, I. we've talked about it too, but I, I just don't think that you can... It's almost up there with the thing where I don't think you, you can have any of these lists without it, but not quite there. Aliens is a fucking fantastic movie. It took what Ridley Scott did with Alien and just, I think, made it a seamless transition with James Cameron to the next film. Uh, it's obviously on a larger scale. I think that this one's more sci-fi first, then horror, instead of horror sci-fi. I'm not sure if you guys agree or I not. Do, yeah, for sure. But I think that that works out extremely well even on the bigger scale, and this time, 
similar to Predator, it, it takes a group of macho people, the marine unit, and then pits them up against a bunch of xenomorphs. And it shows that these people that you think are going to be big and bad really aren't. And it gives you, it expands that lore of the xenomorphs uh, in a really, really good way. And I think the design is just peak what we're going for. I think that when you think of creature design of the 80s, Xenomorph is is top. Dude, the, the reason that I'm I'm looking forward to to Avatar 2 so much is because James Cameron is the undisputed king of the sequel. He's the only yep. person, in my opinion, to have ever fucking just made a better sequel than the original um arguably of course um because mm-hmm. yeah. you know the original terminator man i fucking love it but like dude original terminator yeah same same favorite, same but, yeah, I, but I, most people consider terminator 2 to be the better film most people consider aliens to be a superior film to alien so that's why i'm like you know what i fucking dug avatar for what it was and this guy is so convinced that what he has is gold, that he's staking the rest of his career on it by giving us four more Avatar movies. So, like, dude, I'm I'm inclined to believe that he's going to do it again. So, amazing pick, dude. This this was a movie that um, was so huge for me as a kid, Brady. Like, you know, like I said, I was very meticulous while choosing my list because I was like, oh, well, you know, it's an alien thing. I don't know if I could, you know, obviously alien monster, same thing, whatever. But I, I got, I, I put too many rules on mine, but realistically that should also be on my list because like, dude, I'm looking at my original Kenner 90s aliens action figures right now. Weren't those dude, the best? I, I still the love them, man. I love, dude, Kenner is my favorite toy line of all time. Like I just, the Kenner, Kenner Predator line. Dude, K- Kenner had Predator, Batman, fucking RoboCop. Dude. They did, you know, the the Star Wars yep. of the '90s figures. They my, did so many of the my best my, my favorite man, Robin Hood, Prince Fuck, of Fuck yes, <laughs> I ha- I had that shit too. Dude. I love it, man. Dude, I did. Aliens was so huge for me that this was another film that I rented over and over and over again, man, because it just it was it was scary. But it was fun. It was fast paced. It was action packed. You know, so many great one liners. So much just amazing and diverse characters in the film. It's it's perfection, man. It is fucking perfection. I saw Aliens before I saw Alien. I, I didn't even know that there was a film before Aliens. Like that was like the like the part one. Like. I had no fucking idea, dude. I was a, I was a kid. This was like pre IMDb. I was like, cool, aliens, fuck yeah. There's aliens in this goddamn movie. And then all of a sudden, one day, I discovered Alien. I was like, wait. And then I like looked at the back of the box, and it was Sigourney <laughs> Weaver. And I was like, holy shit, there's another one that came before it. Isn't it crazy thinking back to the days when you could just name a movie about the subject matter with one simple yep. title? You wouldn't have to come up with a sub subline nope. or anything else. It's- this movie's Alien. Oh, yeah, the sequel? Aliens. Yeah. There it is. Uh, they're like, we're going to make a third. They're like, fuck. <laughs> no, we got to put a three put in a three front of there. this one. Um, Are they going to put more so, aliens? So famously, uh, when the studio sat down with James Cameron and said, you know, do you have any ideas? You know, there was like a, like a dry erase board, and he wrote the word alien, 
and then famously wrote the dollar sign as the S and was like, yes, I have an idea for all of us to make a lot of money because I have a great idea. Yeah. What a ball. I'm sure I'm sure in a few minutes I'll get a little bit deeper yeah. into that. But <laughs> all right. Uh I just I would say real quick, I would argue that Alien is a scarier movie for, sure. for me. One hundred percent. I agree. One hundred percent. Aliens just it's beautiful, man. In my eyes, just in terms of creature design. Like when you see that Queen Xenomorph just ripping fucking people in half. God damn! Dude, and, and like, there's it doesn't get that. Better than that, in that is the wonder. That is the wonder. An amazing quality and aspect of practical effects, dude. We're talking about latex and rubber, and that thing looked fucking amazing. It looked terrifying. That was a that was a thing that you would shit your pants and die from a heart attack if you ever saw something like that in real life. And it was guys that created it, again, with latex and rubber. Now, we get CGI stuff that, I'm sorry, it doesn't make me feel the mm-hmm. same way when I... No, it, it never will, all. because when you look at it, Jeremy, it's a, you're not seeing a physical thing. You know that it's real, whether it's you know a prop or not. You're looking at something that's a real living thing in your eyes. You know, it's materials. It's practical. And... and CGI, you can, no matter how good it is, you can tell that it's not. And CGI, man, it, if if you're giving a, a physical, you know, presence and threat in the form of characters in CGI, it better be the best shit ever because, you know, like, dude, I, I, I'm i sure I've brought it up and I'll bring it up again. I am legend with Will Smith. Dude, had they done it practical effects with just fucking... You know, via like The Walking Dead with people in prosthetic makeup and shit like that. It could have been an incredible fucking film. I hated that fucking movie because all I saw was video game characters going up against Will Smith. It was never scary. And and, and particularly that, that stuff doesn't age no. well. You no. Know, yeah. It was at a period where CGI wasn't in its heyday. Even the stuff now, you know, in 20 years from now, Jeremy, your kids, my kids, my kids probably going to be telling her kids like, Oh, that was during the era where it didn't look that. Yeah, man. So I don't know. Like this aliens, man, it just in the time period of film that we're talking about, man, it was it was fucking foam, rubber, latex. And we got the best and coolest looking shit, man. It just it makes me sad that like we very rarely get that. And then when we do get it, it's so fucking good. Look at A24's lamb, dude. The lamb was all like it was a puppet. It was a marionette. Look at Psycho Gorman. Psycho Gorman was shit. fucking incredible. Yeah. That's what, like, these film studios, man. Wake the fuck up, motherfuckers. Hey, <laughs> like, this is Stan Winstoney. We Winston don't want to please you. We hope hey, you Hey, this will is die. the uh, the ghost of Stan Winstoney. Uh, <laughs> pour some latex in a, in, a, in a mold. It's simple, you know? Put it in a fucking mold, design the all right, thing. All right, all right, all right. Here's uh, what you're going to do. And, and then we're going to go ahead and put it on the screen. You get a pumpkin. And there it is. Give it to all the right, masses, right, and they're going right. to love it. No. Yeah, man, you just come on it, in it's there. It's funny because... You just, <laughs> man, you just get, get get the person in the gorilla suit, man. It makes the gorilla scarier, man, when you do the, the hokey pokey <laughs> Donkey Kong thing with your computer graphics, man. It's just not the same thing if, you, if you're picking up what I'm laying down. Oh, my God. It's hard not to love the old shit, and you know it's 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 the equivalent sometimes of the old man yelling at the kid on his lawn. But at the same time, 
it is what it is. Look at it, and it's I mean, dude, amazing. I, That's one one last thing is so Rob Botin, and it's Botin, Brady. You fuck. Uh, oh. Botin. He literally retired because there was just no longer a need anymore in Hollywood for his life's work. Rick Baker did his the same fucking thing, life's work, man. Thing. You know, Rob Bottin, he did some little things on Game of Thrones because his wife works or, you know, worked on the show. So he kind of came in as like, yeah, fuck it, I'll come in and do some things, whatever. But he's been retired for so long because Hollywood said, fuck it. We'll pay the extra money because it costs more money to do this shit in post. But Hollywood would rather pay than get some guys in some fucking rubber suits. That's my last song and dance. Rob Bottin, I fucking love you. I'm sure you'll never listen to this. No, fuck that. He's listening right now, isn't he? Yeah. I'm sure he's a yeah. And if there's a Rob Bottin out there, we love you hey, too. Hey, Rob, Rob Bottin. <laughs> Rob Bottom. <laughs> If you identify as Rob Button, we love you as well. So, anyways, I, I I digress, man. It just thinking about how amazing some of the practical effects and the and then the films that we're discussing now compared to the shit that we're getting that's all CGI hodgepodge. It just it gets it gets how do you, it really grinds my gears, guys. Hmm. I'm picking up what you're putting down, man. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go ahead. Uh, do my number one now. Now that I fucking <laughs> there we go. He's gonna All step right. off his soapbox. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming to my TED talk. Um, 1987 was the year that this came out, and this movie was very important to me as a child because I identified with the characters in this film. Not only did I identify with them because I've always loved monsters myself. But goddamn, I wanted to be them because I wanted to fight the forces of evil. This is no bullshit. I'm telling the truth. I will put my hand on the Bible. No bullshit. On the Bible. I kept vampire stakes under my bed when I was a kid because I was convinced that vampires were probably real. And when they eventually showed themselves, I was going to be ready with my vampire stakes. Because I desperately wanted to be a member of the fucking Monster Squad. Creepy. This this movie, man. Um, like 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 we discussed best. earlier, man. It's just it it took some time, but it's finally getting its due. People understand how great this movie is. It's kind of like Halloween three. It took some time, but we're here now. There is appreciation for it. There is love for it. You know, you go to the conventions and people are wearing the t-shirts. They're buying the posters, man. Dude, I remember getting this movie on a bootleg DVD because this nobody gave a shit about this movie so much that in the heyday of DVDs, this thing still hadn't come out on DVD. Dude, I don't think it came out on DVD until 2007. You're pretty close there because I, I bought the first edition DVD when it landed in Walmart of all places, which I'll never step foot in. That's where I bought it for the first time. That was the first, and it wasn't even the original poster. I, I remember it because I still own the DVD. I, I kept. Dude, it I, I, I still have yeah. my original bootleg of it as well. Like I, I, I own you know the other versions that have come out since then. But like, dude, I have a uh, a VHS rip on on DVD that I bought from a convention because I was like, dude, I love this movie, and. 
you can't fucking find it, and now it's everywhere. Why didn't you just watch it on VHS <laughs> like we did in the old yeah, days? You know, I, I don't know. That that is a great question. But man, I I love this movie. Uh, it is my favorite interpretation of Dracula. Um, the monsters Ooh, look yeah, amazing. See? And here we here we are again. I, you know, one common theme in this episode. And it's because they're fucking icons that need to be discussed way more often is Tom Woodruff, a.k.a. Pumpkinhead, who also worked on Aliens and all the Aliens and Pre- vs. Predator movies and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, and The Thing from 2011. You know, like, all these things that I, that we've discussed on this episode. Like, dude, Tom Woodruff and Alec Gillis have had their hands in so much of it because these guys are the pioneers of practical effects and creature creations. I mean, they're absolutely incredible. And with, uh, you know, they, they, uh, Tom Woodruff was, uh, was one of the monsters in the movie, uh, fucking Gilman, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So like, dude, um, you know, help design the creatures and shit like that. I mean, dude, the this movie, the monsters look amazing. And what I loved about this movie, and as a, even as a kid, is they didn't pander to the audience due to the fact that the stars of the film were kids. There was real stakes here. Uh, maybe vampire pun intended. I don't know, man. It was there. It was there. Low-hanging fruit, guys. So, like, dude, you know... My dad knows about low hanging. Oh my god! He's get the mouse! Get him! (laughs) Get the mouse! It was like some weird X-rated Tom and Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Tom and Dingleberries. (laughs) (laughs) Every time he hits the hammer, the balls jiggle. Dude, can can we talk about the scream that Tom lets out anytime he gets hurt? It's the funniest goddamn shit ever. Anyways, so. Back to mom. He's like, he's like, I can't even fucking do it, man. <laughs> that was pretty fucking close. It's so goddamn funny, dude. Tom, Tom and Jerry gets me. Um, Monster Squad, man. It, it, I mean, this the stakes were very real for the kids. It felt like those any of those kids could have got fucking murked at any time because those monsters were not fucking around. This was not. This did not feel like a family like a family horror adventure film. It felt like a horror film with kids. And I love it, and there's moments of sweetness in it. Bye, Phoebe. Dude, Tom Noonan is the Frankenstein Dude, monster. I, He's I could cry amazing. right now just thinking about that scene and how heartbreaking and touching that scene is. Uh funny about about Tom Noonan is if you if you try to get an autograph from him on the street uh he will charge you money he's like look man this shit goes for money on eBay like you know I got kids in college and shit so what's up how much you want to throw at this like he negotiates with the fucking the people asking for his autograph I respect that I think that he's like he's like oh, you want to throw 20 on it I'll sign for 20 this year house of the devil autograph. dude house of the devil is so good man so good but yeah so monster squad it it I identified with with it so much as a kid that I uh, it, it's still one of my favorites, and I'm glad that it's finally getting its due, and that is why it's my number one. Love it, dude. Perfect pick. You guys, seriously, before I get to my number one, really, it's been an honor. Uh, 
you've surprised me. Both of you have with your picks. Some amazing movies on there. Almost all of which, I think all of them I've seen, actually. Um, mine, yeah, here I go. Follow Lock and Step with Brady. Get away from her, you bitch! It's, it's, it's gotta be. It's gotta be James Cameron's Aliens. I cannot pick anything else because it is, alien movie or not, the best monster movie of the 1980s because of the fact that it took what a monster movie was with Ridley Scott's Alien, built upon it, Perfectly, Jeremy, you said it exactly a few moments ago. James Cameron's the only guy that took original first movies and then built upon them, the Terminator being his own movie, and then doing it with Terminator 2. And here, and he was like an up-and-comer. He'd only done the Terminator and, you know, Piranha 2, which he got booted from. He was a new director, and we know the production was absolute hell. The British crew, they rejected him they did not want him on this movie they did not believe in him he was not Ridley Scott and what he created with this movie there were six guys in xenomorph suits and what it looked like was a hundred and Brady you said it perfectly earlier on you know the Stan Winston that queen design and seeing it in action that is in my opinion um, the best movie monster probably effect of the entire 1980 decade in terms of Science fiction, horror, action, you name it, it's just there. It's pinnacle. It's never been topped. I mean, I know in Alien 3, they tried to. Uh, plenty of movies tried to top the Alien Queen. And, I mean, that whole ending is just so iconic. There's, It's more of an action movie than a horror movie, definitely. But what you get is a great meld of... it's. Every genre, almost, you know, action, science fiction, horror. There's still some scary elements. Mm -hmm. It's nowhere near the tense slasher in space that the original film is. But that's good because a good sequel knows how to differentiate itself from its predecessor and do something new, fresh and original with it. And Cameron, again, going back to what you said, Jeremy, is the guy that knows how to do that. And this movie is just perfection from start to finish. From the characters to the acting to the production design to the model effects, the miniatures, so much of this movie is just... Uh, James Cameron, seriously, if you're listening, motherfucker, I know you're working on Avatar, okay? But I also know there are transfers, new 4K restorations of Aliens, The Abyss, and True Lies that are done. They are finished. Dude, take like a day away from production on Avatar. Go approve them. So us fans can experience these movies the way they were meant to be experienced, just like the people that got to see these all on 35mm on opening day. We deserve it. We love you. We support you. We'll go see Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5, you know, when you're fucking 85 years old on your deathbed. We'll go. We'll keep seeing them, I promise you. I've seen everything else you've produced. Please release those. So my number. <laughs> Long-winded. Got a lot of soapboxes here tonight. <sighs> Just saying. We feel uh, things aliens. very deeply, and Brady. Mm. Also, I just really want those those movies deserve better treatment. Just yep. saying. There it is. That's my number one. Ladies and gentlemen, top five monster movies, 1980s edition. Ooh. You guys, I already have my honorable mentions prepared. Do you have any honorable mentions? Jeremy, I'm actually shocked. There's a movie that's at my number six that you didn't mention in your number five. I was expecting it. So 
Do you have any honorable I mean, mentions? Obviously, when you think of 80s monster movies, uh, I, I intentionally, I, I talk about the thing so much on this podcast. I was like, all right, I can't keep like just like sucking the thing's dick. Like I, I gotta, I gotta yeah, there you go. leave it off. So obviously, like that's one that would have been my number one. But I was like, all right, let's do some, let's do some other shit. Um, so of course, you know, Aliens, Predator, The Thing. You know, those are the ones that come to my mind immediately. But like I said, I, I was very meticulous in, in picking this. Um, my, my list. You were, yeah. you were focused. You want, you that, you wanted that top five to be for sure, perfect. for sure. Um, and I didn't want to go into down a rabbit hole of like too many different subgenres or what I would consider subgenres. So, uh, I, I picked what I picked, and uh, yeah, those those are the ones that I just mentioned were kind of my honorable mentions. Yeah, sweet, awesome. Ooh, uh, for me, fart and burp on the show official. Uh, it's definitely some things that have already been mentioned. Predator is on there. Uh, I don't think any of us talked about the remake of The Blob from 1988. I, I contemplated really putting it on mine. That. Yeah. It's a, it's on it was my, my number six, well. The Gate, yeah. which I just watched also recently. Contemplated also contemplated. Uh, on mine designs. as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you guys classify Reanimator as a monster movie with what he makes? Um, When it goes into zombie territory, yeah. the undead or reanimation, I left, yeah. like Jeremy said, you know, that's... They're not necessarily monsters to me in the in the, the normal sense. So I, I contemplated that, Critters I, 2 as well. Hmm. The first Critters is the only one I've seen, and I almost put that on there because I saw that at Mahoning with Critters Justin. Critters 2 is had a great time yeah, fucking that. amazing. I've heard that. Yeah, Mick Garris' film is awesome. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so that's my honorable mentions. Well, I'll just go down the line here. And this is, again, these movies can shift in and out. And it's it's awesome that I can talk to my wife about this when I'm having trouble with these. She's like, just tell them. You know, these are interchangeable. Like, depending on the day, you guys all love so many different movies, especially from the 80s. It's such a difficult, I mean, we started with the most difficult decade because, Jeremy, I know you agree. This is the best decade for 100% movies ever. I mean, there's so many smaller movies that we could talk about. Um, Maybe we'll do like a lesser known, you know, monster movie episode at some point. But my number six would have been Critters, the Chiodo Brothers. Oh. Beautiful movie. Number seven, The Howling. Number eight, The Chiodo Brothers again. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Number nine, The Gate. And number 10, a movie that I just recently fell in love with um, and I watched like a hundred fucking times, but Alligator. I love that yeah, Louis one, Teague. dude. I, I fucking love Alligator. I mean, I was like so uh, mesmerized by watching the, the clips of it on YouTube and stuff and never owning the VHS. And then when I got the new 4K Ultra HD from Shout Factory, I just ate that shit up and I'm like, whoa, this movie fucking rules. So Oh my god, I completely yeah. forgot one. Uh the fun house. Toby Hooper. Oh, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. That's like a mutant fucking yeah, weird yeah, yeah. retard. Uh, yeah. Cancel. Cancel. You can't say the R word <laughs> no. anymore. I'm can't I'm, I'm pretty sure okay, so he's mentally disabled. And it's also uh one of the two movies that and Rob he has a split Zombie face. definitely ripped off for House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. But we'll get into that at oh, a later. Sure. Date. Which we will get to that eventually whenever that act- Jeremy, did you actually watch House of a Thousand Corpses last well, weekend? No, dude. <laughs> no. I knew it. So good thing we weren't like, let's do House of a Thousand Corpses this week. So, all right, great. No. <laughs> that wasn't the only one. Ladies and gentlemen, um, we don't have to thank you that much because we are already thanking you by giving you this amazing content that you're paying for. We don't have to tell you where to find us because you are our patrons on our Patreon. You are the best fans that we could ever ask for. You're already giving us money every single week to produce content. So I promise you, 
that as much as we can give, we're going to give you this Patreon exclusive content. We're going to keep pushing. This is going to be an ongoing series. I think the 90s will be a great period to go through monster movies. The 2000s, we can just continue on and continue on. But I just wanted to take the time again Thank you so much because you're so special. Like I've never had anyone give me money to talk before and you do all of you. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode and Jeremy, you just have to do the voice because it's your time to do the voice and you have to do it. Hey, uh, thanks for not trying to redirect my geo cities traffic to you. Uh, <laughs> your MySpace page. Cause, uh, I heard that, uh, you had uh, Sayo Sin as your profile song, and uh, the band is lame, much of sissy girls, you know what I mean? So um, I, I actually listened to the, Sayo, the recent Sayo Sin album yesterday, the yeah. last Anthony Green one. I like it a lot, actually. Yeah. So, uh, um, but yeah, Elon Musk, so what, what do you think? Elon Musk just bought Twitter. Are you, gonna, are you on Twitter? Are you leaving If he, if Twitter he, if he makes me choose my list? top five and then lets me put a song on my profile, <laughs> I would consider it. <laughs> It was cool back in the day, though. You could just like add random songs to your Dude, profile, so people would go on there, and be like, "Oh, best." Didn't have it. You could put your own band. Yeah, song dude. On the I, it was the best. It was like that was it cool. was like, hey man, publicly choose your top five favorite friends and fuck everybody else. <laughs> choose. Yeah. It's like, all right, it's a good way to let somebody know you. Don't and like then if, no if you if you booted no. somebody from your top five, you had a falling out. Isn't that why they made like top 10 and they made top 20 and yeah. shit? Like, I think eventually at the end they were like, let's just make it bigger. And then people would still be mad. Like, why am I in your top 18, but not your top yeah. five? They're like, bitch, because I fucked you two years ago and you were only good oh at head. So that's why you're there. Well, on that note, werewolf <laughs> thank you guys so much for <laughs> listening to a very special Patreonage episode on Patreon of oh, Epic yeah. Film Guys. Brain! Stew! I'm Jeremy. We're done. Uh, oh, shit. I'm Be Ready. My name is Justin, oh, and yeah. I like you, and I like <laughs> cheese. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>